Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome back to the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm talking to the sponsor of this season's podcast, Alicia Roach, founder and CEO of Equate. Alicia is a global thought leader and former practitioner in strategic workforce planning and analytics, and has a real passion for helping organizations execute their purpose by understanding their current and future workforce capability. We can't just breathlessly be grabbing all this skills data without context. Again, it's that outside in view of the world. We need to know about the so what. You know, we always say in analytics, the so what and now what. So what? What does this actually mean for us? And now what? What are we going to do about? And and the outside in view alone around the skills data is not going to do that for you because it's not going to address the business problems that you need to solve for and the questions you need to answer for for your organisation. It's a data point, but it needs to be contextualised into your own business to be meaningful, which we do through SWP. Along with some great advice on setting up strategic workforce planning for success, in this episode, get ready to learn more about common misconceptions about strategic workforce planning, how HR can best avoid common pitfalls of solving strategic workforce planning. The importance of focusing on your organization's unique challenges when it comes to strategic workforce planning. And of course, the role of technology in strategic workforce planning. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Alicia Roach, founder and CEO at Quate, uh, and a leading global authority on strategic workforce planning to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Alicia. It's quite different from when we met the last time in in Austin, but it's it's great to have you on the show. Can can you provide listeners with a a brief introduction to you and Quate, and also how you came into the, the field of strategic workforce planning? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely different from uh, boot scooting in Austin. <laughs> so thank you for having me firstly. Uh, you know, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Equate, which is uh, a leading software globally in strategic workforce planning. Uh, I didn't always do SWP though. I started my career actually in finance as a chartered accountant and I was working uh, for a large international airline out of Australia at the time where the workforce was the largest cost, which it is for many organisations. At the time, the airline, along with every other one around the world, was putting in these aircraft orders for the next generation of aircraft, you know, the A380s and the 787s, spending billions of dollars on CapEx. And the board was asking, rightly, are we actually going to have enough pilots to fly these planes as they drop in over the next decade? And, you know, it's pretty critical for an airline to have people to fly its planes. So looking at how many pilots were needed based on things like passenger demand, route networks, uh, you know, how many we had, what was going on with them around turnover, retirement, training downtime, utilisation, things like that. Then externally, you know, where were these pilots coming from? These highly skilled, specialised people, what's the supply chain of them? And who are we competing with for these around the world, not only with other airlines, but career alternatives and bringing all of these moving parts together with the external environment uh, in a dynamic way to drive decisioning at the highest level of the organisation and making those decisions around build, buy, borrow, 
And then ultimately providing the C-suite, the board and external stakeholders comfort that there was a plan in place to ensure that the airline could fly the planes. And then the GFC happened uh, not long after and we had to revisit it all. But we had that line in the sand to know where we'd been heading. So there was a sense by that stage of where the sales needed to shift, which is something missing for many. But anyway, I fell in love with the power of SWP, the way it really integrated business strategy with finance and HR. And it's such a game changer and just such a different level of conversation for HR functions. So that's where I've been ever since. So workforce planning, there are various definitions of of workforce planning. And often you hear people talk about strategic workforce planning, operational workforce planning, just workforce planning. Um, And you hear people talk about org design, demand planning, all under the same umbrella. So I'd love you to elaborate on what your definition of strategic workforce planning is and the different levels associated with this concept. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I I do have that pyramid diagram, which has been widely cited. We still get people, you know, shopping that around years after it was created. But absolutely, Uh, you know, SWP is, for me, one of the most misbranded disciplines out there. If you ask five different people what they think SWP is, you'll get eight different answers, you know. Um, The most common default definition I think that's been around for a, a while is the right people, the right place, at the right time, and then recently at the right cost, and then even more recently with the right skills have kind of emerged. And I think that holds true to an extent, but for us, it's broader and deeper than that. Broader in that we think SWP really is about answering what is arguably the most fundamental question for an organisation. What is our purpose and what will it take to get there? And this is about recognising that the workforce is the execution vehicle for an organisation's purpose, strategy and operations. They're not two separate entities. So we can't just set a purpose and strategy and assume the requisite workforce, you know, the size, the shape, the skills will just materialise. It takes planning, forethought, consciousness. We have to create that inherent link of why we exist as an organisation to our people. And by deeper, I mean that we can't just look at FTE or or dollars, which, you know, as per my original career start, my finance friends, you know, it's the workforce is aligned on the P&L. We have to go layers below that and understand what needs to be done, you know, the activities, the tasks, and what are the skills needed for those? And we need to know what the key skills are for our organisation, for our purpose and strategy and our competitive advantage. That's SWP. And so where I think other workforce planning kind of gets confused, such as rostering or workforce management, you know, they're more shorter term and linked to operational requirements. I mean, certainly they sequence and sit and fit together. So ideally, the organisation does SWP first to ensure it has the right workforce to then be able to deploy on those shorter term bases. Where it's done the other way around, where which it is for most dogs, by the way, we end up seeing orgs frantically deploying resources that they happen to have rather than the ones that they actually need. And this short-term view, you know, manifests in problems that we see in so many organisations today where they've got hundreds or thousands of open roles, they've got overtime, they've got workforce burnout, you know, issues with retention engagement because they're in that permanent state of reactivity and firefighting. And then more recently, what we've seen is um, a lot of confusion again around strategic workforce planning with the emergence of future of work data and labour market data and skills data sets, which have been conflated with SWP. And there's certainly a very important 
input into the process, but they're very outside in. So rather than inside out, so they don't necessarily address what our purpose is and what we need to achieve that. They show the world of what could be, not what should be. And then finally with org design, you know, for me, this is like rearranging what you have without knowing it's what you actually need. Does it really matter that these roles report here or there if they're not the right roles for us or they have the completely wrong set of skills or we need more agility in our business model and that old school org structure and reporting lines doesn't actually work for these new ways of working? It makes much more sense to get the workforce, the size and shape right first and then look at how to structure it in the best way. So workforce planning, it's been around for, for a long time. But arguably, it's not been solved particularly well by HR or indeed organisations for that matter. You know, where do you think HR in particular, given that most of the listeners to, the, to this podcast are working in HR, are going wrong with this? And, and what advice do you have for, for our listeners today to, to help them avoid some of these uh, common pitfalls? I think for me, the evolution of SWP, I think, has been inhibited by the fact that Whilst it is at that intersection of HR, strategy, the business and finance, it should generally be sponsored and driven by the HR function. You know, they're the custodians of the workforce of people. But that's a function that indeed has been on its own evolutionary journey, as we know. So I think HR, you know, has emerged from the hygiene factors of good process and paying people and rolling out our L&D programs. And it kind of got caught up for a while there in the business partner model, um, where we, I think we saw a bit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. It was like HR almost did away with its functional integrity entirely. You know, uh, back when I worked in corporate HR and that business partner model was emerging, what was thrown around by a lot of the, the business partners is we, we can't look at that strategy. We can't look at your analytics. We're doing stuff for the business. And it, and it was for the business was the mantra but it was like HR became an order taker. It was like this over-rotation where the business with its problems of the day um, would come to HR with those, but, you know, that conflicted with another part of the business and what it was coming to HR for. And, and so the HR function kind of became a discombobulated bit of a mess. You know, we saw in one very large Australian corporate organisation where the CHRO completely did away with having an HR strategy proudly exclaiming, our strategy is the business strategy, which seems noble at first glance, but then left the function directionless to what that actually means. You know, HR is an enabling function, yes, and, and you know, particularly in SWP, we're always, always, always about solving those business problems. But we need to work out how to align our agenda, our expertise as a function to the business in the best way. You know, a true business partner is not taking orders from the business, it's bringing our expertise to the table, driving transformation, shaping change and creating that path to org effectiveness, not just getting that seat at the table and being a good listener, not waiting to get asked to do this stuff. And HR is the rightful function to be pushing this. So I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout way back to your question is I think HR's biggest pitfall in this is getting a bit distracted and not actually doing this stuff, you know, waiting to be asked and by the business. And that's, you know, a real missed opportunity if we don't seize that now. In any organisations that, that you're working with, are you seeing that that coupling is helping HR maybe break through that barrier to actually deliver strategic workforce planning well? 
Absolutely, because I think that's where we're seeing a lot of the emergence of that analytical thinking, that business acumen. Um, and so, so that's the right place to kind of capture this because we need to drive that different level of conversation from just how's everybody feeling and how engaged are you to how are we actually linking those outcomes quantitatively to what the business cares about? How are we solving the business problems? And so that mindset does sit well with the way that the analytics function thinks inherently. When we come back in just a moment, Alicia shares her valuable insight and recommendations on getting started and taking your skills-based workforce planning to the next level. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Equate. The most important resource for any company is its people. However, in today's rapidly changing economy, employees are the first to suffer when companies are not prepared for change. While companies may invest into transformation programs, Many still do not have the right people with the necessary skills for the current workplace, let alone what may be required in the next three years. Equate helps bridge that gap by connecting people with purpose through strategic workforce planning. With the Equate platform, you can leverage the talent you already have to create a blueprint for success and achieve your business goals. Take charge of your smarter workforce decisions and visit equate.ai today. That's eq8.ai. Welcome back to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast, where I'm talking with Alicia Roach at Equate. There is a rising trend in, and you referenced it earlier in the demand for skills-based workforce planning you know but a lot of people are struggling to get this off the ground I remember we did some research just over a year ago now 90% told us they wanted to do skills-based workforce planning only about a quarter were currently doing so you know what would your advice be again to those that are getting started on this journey towards skills-based planning can they go straight into planning for skills or are there certain steps that they they probably need to follow beforehand Firstly, I think where we get a bit caught up with HR is thinking we have to tick a million boxes before we get going. You know, they are looking for the perfect data, perfect processes, perfect team till this project happens or till the business asks for this. And guess what? While you are waiting to do all that stuff, the business has moved on and made decisions without you. That stuff can take years, you know, building that perfect job ontology we're hearing from some customers at the moment and the skills ontologies. It takes a lot of time. And so the business is making decisions without your data at all. And look, I am being a little flippant. Those things are important to get right, but but you can't wait to get started. And we find that the organizations that have the greatest momentum are the ones that get going by starting to solve a business problem immediately with SWP, you know, because that's the way we're creating that link of the workforce to the business needs. So as an HR function, we can then focus and prioritize what we're doing. So with skills, again, it's a little bit, I think HR's got a bit of the shiny key syndrome, you know, the latest buzzword tends to get the focus, which happens to be skills right now. You know, it was future of work a couple of years ago, but we can't just breathlessly be grabbing all this skills data without context. Again, it's that outside in view of the world. We need to know about the so what. You know, we always say in analytics, the so what and now what. So what? What does this actually mean for us? And now what? What are we going to do about? And and the outside in view alone around the skills data 
is not going to do that for you because it's not going to address the business problems that you need to solve for and the questions you need to answer for for your organization. It's a data point, but it needs to be contextualized into your own business to be meaningful, which we do through SWP. So skills, yes, critical, important, can't argue with that, but you need that context for your org. This or that skill may be in demand for this market or this location or your competitor next door, but is it actually needed for your competitive advantage, your organisation with its value chain and strategic imperatives? And the other thing is, I think we can't just focus on skills to the exclusion of everything else. Um, you know, even this week I was chatting to a CEO of a large global organisation who said he would hire someone any day of the week who had 50, 60, 70% of the skills requirement but was a cultural fit over someone who had 100% of the skill requirement who wasn't a cultural fit. And, you know, so you, you still need to understand the skill fit, but you can't just look at that to the exclusion. And the other thing I'd caution with skills, which I think gets a bit lost in the hype, is they're not free-floating units. We can't just get this labour market scraping data or that report that says, resilience is an important skill and then go and say let's hire 400 resilience or we need 150 leadership it doesn't make sense it's not actionable for skills to matter we need to quantify it and attach it to something so it needs to be attached to a task an activity or even a role or job even though I know everyone hates to think about roles and jobs these days you know we're trying to move away from that but they're also attached to a human by the way we can't just chop up a human and go, you're doing these three tasks at the same time because you've got these three skills that we need. And we also need to be able to manage skills across the employee life cycle, you know, from the way we go to market, the way we recruit, the way we manage performance and promotion and pay. This is not new, by the way. Industrial agreements, certainly in Australia since the 1970s, there was a notion of increased pay for using skills, allowances that were paid if you had a particular skill, higher duty payments if you performed a role of a manager for the day or whatever. That stuff's not old, but it is complex and it needs to be very carefully managed because it can result in some very unintended consequences if you don't ground it properly into your organisation. That's a whole other conversation, probably. But again, what you're saying, you know, again, start with a business problem. Try not to be attracted too much by the shiny things. You know, if the business problem is we need we need certain skills within the organisation to fulfil our purpose or strategy, then yes, then maybe you're going to start. Maybe not for the whole organisation, but for maybe for a certain part of the organisation, you're going to start try and identify if you have the requisite skills in the volume that you need them across in in the locations and and all the other different parameters that you're going to look at. Yeah, other, you know, fundamentally what, what we need to know for our org is how critical are the skills to us? Where are they critical? What roles, tasks, activities need that skill to what level of proficiency? And that comes through SWP. Otherwise, it's just interesting data that's not useful. And again, for those that are struggling to get things off the ground, particularly those working in very large companies, 20,000 or even 10,000 employees is still large, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with starting with a pilot, is there? No, a pilot's a great way to start, you know, uh, particularly, you know, if you're really focused on solving a business problem or you've got a ready and willing um, person, part of the business coming to you, uh, it can be a great way to get that momentum. For those that those companies that already feel that they've got and those people listening that feel they've already got a good foundation but want to take their strategic workforce planning to, to the next level, you know, what, what would your advice be around that? Firstly, one of the things is um, getting comfortable with the directional nature of SWP. You know, one large 
our financial services customer had really gotten stuck with their SWP and the way it was evolving in looking for the perfect data, you know, that really precise forecast. And SWP is not about predicting the future with 100% accuracy. You know, we I love to cite all models are wrong, some are useful. You know, it's a famous statistician quote. But we're looking for directional insights using a grounded conversation around a quantified model. And if SWP gets too focused on getting that perfect ornate forecast, it sacrifices speed, which is crucial for impact and relevance, right? Because again, as I said earlier, by the time you get it right, the business has moved on, things have changed and decisions have been made not using your data at all. So SWP is really about driving that shared view of the future and what to do about it. And that's arguably the most important conversation for a company. So I think for, for one customer, I kind of think about that, you know, just get going again. Don't wait for perfection. Secondly, I think cross-functional groups are really important. We've got um, an Australian retailer who had a big shift coming through COVID to a lot of online business model changes, uh, as you'd expect. But SWP, as I've said, integration between finance and the business strategy and HR. And so we need those cross-functional people. They bring key skills and strengths to the table. We want them to be engaged and we want them to be part of the process. But where this other customer had kind of fallen a bit short was they'd brought everyone in and then no one was really accountable for the actions that came out of the plan. So we've got to remember the P of SWP is plan. So we have a plan. It needs to be implemented to be impactful. So we need to make sure that we're seeing what the actions are and we're tracking those and we're holding people accountable and making sure things get done. And then thirdly, um, this is a large global organisation, you know, I think 80 plus countries, very large global footprint. Uh, For them, I think, again, they were looking for that one size fits all of their SWP toolkit. But actually, what you really need is a flexibility of approaches to deal with the different business tempos and different business problems that you're trying to solve for. So we're able to really help them have that top-down view to set the scene. You know, yes, you're trading off a bit of granularity in your forecasts and a bit bit more directional uh, actions, but driving that heavy strategy debate and consensus to set the scene across the org, we just chatted about pilots and, and they are very impactful. But if you have different pilots or different siloed parts of the business and they're using, for example, the same business driver, such as a revenue forecast or customer numbers, and they've got different views of that, then you're not getting that org alignment and people are rowing the boat in different directions, which is what had happened at this organisation. So we help them to create that top down to clear a lot of the noise in the leadership around some very fundamental stuff around their purpose, their mandate, you know, fundamental conversations. But then we're able to use that with divisions and functions and countries for more nuanced insights, more detailed action planning. The top down also enabled them to surface priority workforce segments to then shape a roadmap for SWP rollout. You know, where did they need to go next? So they had that top down, bottom up kind of segmented tempo that were geared differently, but shared that coherence through a uniting SWP function and that SWP team really was able to, you know, provide business impact, but consistency. Three really good examples and quite different examples as well, which as you know, back to one of your earlier points, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve as a business? Once you understand that, then obviously, you know, take the steps to, to try and get there. Right. 
How do you measure success? It's a great question. I mean, for me, the first measure of success is that you've actually got a strategic workforce plan, <laughs> right? Um, I, I've done a bit of thinking around this because it's something we get asked all the time. You know, how do we know it's successful or what can we tell our stakeholders to, to kind of create the business case around this stuff? And obviously in that fundamental question, what's our purpose and what's it going to take to get there is what SWP is about. So ensuring that the organisation actually knows what workforce it needs to execute against its strategic imperatives. You know, most organisations, it's scary. If you say, what workforce size, shape, skills do you need today? Most organisations cannot answer that. It's crazy. And if you say, what about three years? It's close to zero who have any view of that. And their workforce, you know, yes, it's the biggest cost, but this is the enabling asset. And we're all hyped up about skills, but we don't even know what we need and how that aligns to enabling our business. So that's a big measure of success. Or what we've got even. Or what we've got, right? But then we can't just focus on what we've got. No, and, of course. And then have no view of what we need. So that's a big measure of success. Having a strategic workforce plan with a forecast view of from today onwards, what we need in terms of size, shape and skills. Uh, you know, obviously what comes out of that is an action plan. Uh, that's a very important point, you know, that creates that coherence across the HR function. It gives the roadmap for what HR needs to be focusing on to really move the needle for the business. You know, we could be doing a thousand things. We can be the order takers. How do we distill for impact for the business? That action plan that comes out of SWP. Usually, you know, for us um, at Equate, we're really focused on grounding that commercially using net present values, cost benefits, and really understanding how it mitigates risk to the business being able to execute. But fundamentally, you know, and this is maybe a bit more ethereal, um, but I think where we see a real shift in the impact of strategic workforce planning is where organisations fundamentally shift their view of the workforce from just being a cost to being a value generating asset. And depending on where the workforce sits in the value chain, where it hits transformation initiatives or change and digitization, whatever the roles are doing, the skills or whatever, this is an asset. And if you don't have it in place, this is not just about cost optimization. This hits your top line. You are not going to be able to meet your revenue objectives. You are not going to meet your transformation milestones. You are not going to meet your project delivery. All of that stuff, this is an asset that generates value for you. And that's a fundamental shift from the way organizations think. And, and trust me, coming from a finance background, it's it's a real step change. But I think the ones that nail it, you know, we've seen the World Economic Forum come out with, you know, pushing accounting standards to be revised to treat the workforce differently. And I think that organizations that really step up and do this, it's going to be a game changer. So. You talked a little bit, you talked about some of the customers on organizations that you've helped. And actually, it's not too long ago, you made quite a big pivot in your business. So you, uh, from providing consulting around strategic workforce planning, to actually a dedicated platform for strategic workforce planning, you know, what prompted this shift? And also, as, as you talk about the platform, how does it help um, organizations as well? See, see the wood from the trees in, in workforce planning. When we left corporate to start our consulting business, we had in our head that a product was the end game. You know, as we said at the beginning of the chat, I'd worked as a practitioner in corporate HR for years and, and I knew that a, a proper end-to-end -end SWP platform would have been such an enabler for me, an accelerator for me in doing my job better and creating better business outcomes through SWP because 
once you see the impact that SWP has and how it really feeds into everything that not only the HR function is doing, but the business is doing and finance and strategy, you realize that you need some, you know, you need that scalability, sustainability and, and sophistication that you can get from a platform. And I'd been to the market several times globally trying to find one. And I'd used Excel, you know, and some cool front-end visualization tools. I'd also been in an organization where the IT department was very heavily focused on a particular um, large ERP vendor. And so I'd been tasked to build an in-house solution using their technology from scratch. And I'm still rocking in the corner with scars from that one. Uh, you know, SWP is definitely not one size fits all, but when we kind of embarked and, and set sail and left the shores of corporate HR, you know, we knew SWP wasn't one size fits all. We needed to understand more about what different organizations needed of different sizes and shapes and different industries, you know, how they needed to use a platform, what they needed to have on rails versus what could have more flexibility, what were the non-negotiables. And our real strength has been our methodical, deliberate approach to building Equate. This was about creating a practitioner solution, not just tech created by tech, but something that was grounded in deep expertise and actual experience that met the needs of real life customers. So fundamentally, you know, this was driven by the belief that SWP must be owned by the organization itself at the end of the day. Beautiful PowerPoint decks by external consultants can get part of the way, but they're siloed and out of date the minute you hit send on those, not to mention often filed away never to see the light of day again. So the reality is with the forces of change that we're facing, you know, these days, SWP needs to be as equally dynamic. It needs to be centered around dynamic scenario planning and modeling that can be really agile and adaptable and, and proactive in navigating this change. We can't forget, you know, I've said this about the P, but we can't forget that the S in SWP is all about strategy and orgs have to own their strategy. So equally, they have to own their SWP. And so we needed to create a solution that really enabled them to do that. And they weren't reliant on third parties forever. And in terms of, you know, what the platform offers, you know, again, high level, you know, what, what, what's what's part of the platform? And then obviously, if people listening are, are interested, they can they can go to equate.com to find out more. But Yeah, so I think SWP is definitely getting a lot more momentum in the market, um, you know, through all this change. And I think there's a lot of muddy waters out there around what is SWP and what it isn't. And it can be frustrating and, and confusing um, for us as practitioners. But I think really uh, the main things for us are you need to be able to quantify demand. So we can't just have qualitative conceptual discussions uh, about this stuff. It doesn't engage your business leaders. They want to know about their business data and, and, and kind of have that grounding. Uh, so quantification of demand really gives you where are we needing to head. Uh, and without that, you, you're kind of really stuck. That's the main thing. The other thing, as I just touched on dynamic scenarios, you know, the reality is things change from one day to the, one minute to the next, you know. We need to be able to understand what that means quickly. We can't go, we'll come back to you in a month and tell you what this means. We need to iterate. So we need something in our platform, we really focus on the ability to have that dynamic scenario. You know, what if this business, what if customer volumes halve? What if they drop in this particular part of the business to zero? What if they quadruple? We need to be able to model that and instantly see the impact on the workforce that's needed. 
you know, what if we delay this transformation initiative or accelerate this CX program because that's now so critical? What does that mean? We need to understand that instantly. And so that's where we really, you know, that's one of our key strengths um, in Equate. Yes, we need that external context. So we bring that in, but we bring that in in a contextualized way so that it makes sense and it's meaningful. And as I said earlier, it's actionable. Like what's the so what now what? We can do that in the platform. Uh, and then you need that action plan. You know, as I talked about, we need to have something that we actually are putting into place. We're doing something with. We can't just go, we've got all these cool insights, you know, this external data. Wow, we need to go, what are we actually doing with that? Who's on the hook to make sure that we're going to have the workforce size and shape we need to execute? And so again, that action planning and the ability to monitor that and see how that's going. And so for us, we really see ourselves as um, our strength as being that end-to-end SWP. This is our focus. We're not just an add-on to other things. This is our game. And and so we're really focused on nailing that end-to-end and, and those key differentiators. Oh, that's really helpful, Alicia. I, mean, that, I think that sort of you know gives people, I think, enough... Uh enough to go and find out more if they, if, they, if they want to find out more, which I'm sure many people will listening. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Equate's co-founder, Alicia Roach. In this final section, Alicia and I will discuss the importance of aligning your strategic workforce planning to your organization's unique purpose, rather than jumping on the latest trending and shiniest tool. We will also be looking to the future where Alicia shares her views on where strategic workforce planning will be in three years' time. We covered a little bit of this, but it might, might be a good opportunity to bring it together. So I think people are seeing why strategic workforce management is a must have and i think we i think that was already happening but it's probably been accelerated a little bit in the last two and a bit years since the, since the start of the pandemic you know what what advice can you give our listeners to help them ensure that they solve their u- unique workforce planning challenges rather than jumping on the latest trend or tool absolutely so i couldn't agree more you know we we ourselves have really seen that shift of where orgs have gone from needing to understand what is SWP and why do we need to do it to actually how do we do this, you know? And so they're hitting the marketplace looking for these answers. And as I said, it's become quite muddy. Uh, But I think, you know, there's a lot of things out there that promise instant gratification, uh, you know, and, and can be a bit dazzling. But the, the truth is that with any change, you know, whether it's organisational, functional or indeed personal, <laughs> um, for, for it to be lasting and effectual, it needs to be embodied, you know, things that are worthwhile take effort. Uh, so I'm not saying that there can't be external factors that trigger the need for change or make us wake up to ourselves like COVID or whatever. But what I mean is that if we're truly looking for change, we have to get causal. 
address the root problem, the cause, rather than tinkering with the effects. And I touched on this earlier. You know, org design is a classic example of tinkering with an effect, which is why we see that orgs have gone you know, from a couple of decades ago where you'd have a restructure every once in a while to where it kind of got to maybe annually, then quarterly, and now where they're in permanent states of restructure. Uh, You know, you ask any org at any point in time and there's some sort of restructure going on somewhere and some of them call themselves agile when they're just actually reacting. Um, But the reason is because they've never stepped back and addressed the cause. So they've never created that inherent link of what the workforce is doing to what the org needs to be doing, which is how you truly become agile, by the way. So anytime pressure builds up, you know, whether that's internally or externally, cue, react and restructure, and that happens again and again. Or, you know, if we're looking at skills from a labour market data perspective and then deciding to reskill people with X, Y and Z skills, you know, that's an effect. The cause is stepping back and looking at what skills your organisation needs and then aligning that to your unique purpose and strategy and the activities your organisation needs to do. So as we tinker with the effects and HR, you know, scans the market and finds this latest cool trend or tech that everyone else is doing, you know, they're buying the hammer when they really need a wrench or the drop saw when they just need a level. You know, to become causal is really to affect change. And to do this, as you said in the question, it cannot be cookie cutted. It's unique to each and every org. It must be contextualized. And, and that comes back to that fundamental question I said right at the beginning. What is our purpose and what will it take for us to get there? So we need to step back as an HR function and look at what truly enables this. What do we need and what questions are we trying to answer? And I think that's, you know, that should be the grounding thing as orgs look at this. Yeah, and that, that leads on quite nicely to the next question, which is more technology related. And you know, obviously our advice or your advice would be don't start with the technology, start with the purpose and what you're trying to achieve. But obviously, as a firm that provides technology that helps organizations um, with, with strategic workforce planning, you might be a little biased perhaps, but 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 what are your thoughts on on the on the role of technology in, in the present and future space of strategic workforce management? You know, for those listening, for example, who, who who maybe don't have the budget for sophisticated technology, can they do this in Excel or, or will they get stuck at some point? Firstly, I'd emphasize that, you, yes, we are a platform organization, but I really want to emphasize that you do need philosophy and process in addition to a platform for SWP success, you know, at, at the end of the day. Uh, you need to understand the philosophy and be brought into what that means for your organization. And it's a shift in how you're doing things and how you're doing things as an HR function. You need to have a clear process on how you're creating the outcomes, creating the impact, linking to the business. And then, yes, platform. So let me chat on that. So again, as I've said, it's, it is confusing, you know, platform. Yes, you can have the coolest tech in the world, this incredible AI or whatever. But if it doesn't answer your questions, solve your problems or cover your process, then what's the point? In SWP, we need that end-to-end, you know, quantifying demand, that translation of strategy into the workforce implications comes through that demand piece, being able to dynamically model that against your supply, look to the future, the skills and external data insights and action planning. We need all of that. And unfortunately, Excel, as much as I do love it, you know, I plan my life in Excel still. I planned my wedding in Excel, uh, but it just won't cut it at a point. Earlier in my career, I used Excel, uh, but never on its own. 
I always had some front-end visualization tool to augment it because the reality is it's very hard to get your C-suite or board to sit around looking at your spreadsheet. Excel can be a great place to start, particularly as, as we said, you want to start with a small pilot, but eventually you will get stuck. You know, spreadsheets, everyone's got one. So if you have yours and Joe from finance has theirs and Sarah from ops has theirs, it becomes a bit muddled, loses credibility and that source of truth. And as we also said, you know, this stuff is complex. We need to be able to look at the organization vertically, you know, look at the org hierarchies, look horizontally at the job architecture, at the skills, diagonally, everything in between, you know, and and we need to bring together internal supply and demand with external supply and demand. And we need to be able to rapidly change and iterate that as the world around us moves. So at some point, you will need that scalability and sustainability that you get from platform. No, and, and I love what you said, you know, philosophy and process as well as platform. So looking forward, what do you think is next for strategic workforce planning? You, you know, how do we make sure that HR doesn't miss the moment? It's in a good moment, I think, HR, for HR at the moment. And what would, say, three years out look like if, if we do this right? Yeah, so I touched a bit on this before about the evolution of the HR function beyond being just a business partner to being more of a, a strategic transformation partner. And so in my mind, the way for that to happen is for HR to get a very clear view on how it brings its functional expertise into coherence with the business agenda beyond just enabling, uh, but actually contributing to the strategy and its execution. And SWP is inherently about business enablement and impact. And, and as you said, this is the time for HR to stop dithering and step up. You know, the HR functions that are stuck in their old ways of, you know, enabling good process or being a good listener just won't get there. And I, you know, I love to say this one because it's, it's just so impactful to me all the time, but the number of times I've been in rooms where it's been the CEO, the COO and CFO, and they're literally looking across the table or, or zoom more recently, uh, you know, at each other and realizing they're in complete misalignment on what their agreed strategy means in practical execution they're literally rowing the boat in opposite directions. And SWP has surfaced this and brought an alignment back to the organisation. And HR has brought this to the table. Now that's the seat at the table, right? So the reality is the businesses are asking for this. You know, COVID has really brought all things workforce to front of mind for everyone. So if HR doesn't step up now, someone else is going to step in. We need to do things differently. We can't wonder why we have these talent shortages, why we have constant restructuring, why we have hundreds of open roles we can't fill. Why do we have these same problems over and over when we're doing nothing differently? Why do we call ourselves strategic and commercial, but no one treats us that way? And it's back to that cause and effect. You know, it's that Einstein quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Honestly, if HR can't do things differently, you know, look to the future, become proactive, ground itself in data and business acumen, it's going to stay relegated to the back office and support and processing functions. And, you know, we're seeing these other roles, chief transformation officer, sustainability officer, happiness officer, employee experience officer, things are starting to eat into the, the, into the realm and, as I said, getting this right is a fundamental shift for the organisations in their view of the workforce as a cost to the asset. And SWP opens that clarity on just how valuable our people are and gives our leaders the chance to have honest conversations with their employees on change, which you need to have a shared view of the future to be able to do that. You know, 
We can't be socially responsible whilst in the next breath we're behind closed doors working out who to lay off with our org charts on the wall and the Sharpie because we're reacting to the latest whatever. Once we get SWP happening, we break that fire and rehire MO. You know, we become consciously responsible for humans and that's where HR should absolutely be aiming. And that leads nicely, Alicia, to the question that we're asking everyone on this series. You know, we're thinking maybe a bit more near term now. What are the the two to three things that the HR, you know, really needs to do to add business value as we continue to hopefully come out of the pandemic? I'll try and keep it to two or three. Three. I'll give you three. (laughs) I'll take the max of that range. So for me, the first one, you know, with skills and remote hybrid working and talent shortages and all of the complexity around talent. As I said, COVID's provided the opportunity where the business is feeling the impact of people uncertainty. So this is HR's prime time. It cannot squander this. So HR needs to leverage this power. It needs to rise to the call by being that transformation enabler, the catalyst for change while balancing the fact that it is the custodian for people and bringing that socially responsible lens. So let's not just react to the whims of the business, but bring our functional integrity to the table. Secondly, it needs to push leaders to plan. You know, I said earlier, most organisations don't even know the workforce they need today, let alone in three years. You know, they're investing billions of dollars in people and related programs and they're flying blind. They're so caught up in their problem of the day that they never step back and lift their gaze and then they wonder why we're in this same situation a year later and the year after that. There's always going to be an urgent problem of the day, a fire to fight But that short-sightedness amidst all the change and dynamism, that leads to disaster for HR because this is where we see those reactive, short-term knee-jerk decisions that destroy the very things that HR professes to care so much about. Culture, engagement, employee experience, things that take years to build can be wiped out in weeks or even days with a poorly timed hiring freeze or a reactive restructure or those blanket X percent workforce layoffs. You know, we can't just keep doing these same things again. And then finally, HR needs to adapt. This is not about organic capability growth for the function because honestly, to speak frankly, the function's too far behind. It has to be serious about business acumen and data literacy The reality is that order taking for the business is not commercial and strategic. Driving good processes once others have decided what needs doing, no. It's always something that's amazed me about HR and one of the reasons I first moved into the function from finance was that every other function around the org was using data and planning to make decisions. You know, finance, obviously, supply chain, procurement, ops, legal, marketing, you know, but HR, usually the largest cost for an organisation, arguably the largest asset under its remit, not so much. And so this is a step change for most HR functions and the gap is widening as data and technology and the change is happening. It's exponential. So we can't just organically bumble away. We need to step change. And so HR functions need to look at new professionals from other academic and professional backgrounds and Unfortunately, this is why we're seeing more and more CHROs from other parts of the business. It's time to get with the times. You know, uh, the ones that now this, that get this right, they're being headhunted to be the next COO or the CEO. You know, how cool is that? 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's been a few examples of that in the in the last few months. And I guarantee they've got a very strong people analytics function behind them. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, obviously, the probably the most famous example that you know listeners will know is obviously quite recent when Lena Nair moved from Unilever as the chief human resources officer, very good people analytics function, to be the CEO at Chanel. So um, you know, and there are other examples out there as well. So. Can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you, follow you on social media, read some of the fantastic articles and content that you produce, but also find out more about Equate as well? Absolutely. So find me on LinkedIn under Alicia Roach and and all things strategic workforce planning and my passion come through there. And also you can find us at equate.ai. So that's the letter E and the letter Q and the number eight dot AI. Alicia, thank you so much. Hopefully we'll be at uh, some point in Austin or maybe in Sydney um, next time we or meet. London. Or, maybe, or London. You know, yep. it's raining at the moment. So uh, right. hopefully when you come here, the sun will be shining. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, a pleasure as always, Alicia. Thank you very much for being a guest. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I do, do hope you enjoyed it. My thanks again to Alicia Roach from Equate. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show with five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. We'll be back next week where I'll be having an interesting conversation with Dr. Paul Leonardi, about how to adopt a digital mindset in the age of data. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and take care.